It Is Well, where we explore the gospel and how it applies to our everyday lives. I'm your host, Carissa Nisley. And let me just say, it is so, so good to be back with you all. I just cannot wait to continue to share the gospel with you. The Lord has been gracious to me. He has continually convicted me um, with the purpose of the show, which is to remind Christians of the importance of the gospel and introduce non-Christians to the beauty of God's mercy and love. Just to preface this episode, the gospel is truly the best news we could ever receive. And I might say this over and over again, but it's truly life-changing, life-altering. It's the story of undeserving sinners saved by the perfect blood of Christ. And y'all, the Lord is so good to us. And so we ought to glorify him and honor him and praise him in all that we do. Throughout the um, past couple of years, I have just pretty much been continually struck by the number of Christians who fail to understand the true gospel as it is laid out in the Bible. That is heartbreaking to me. It breaks my heart and it makes me so sad. Because when you begin to study the gospel, and specifically a biblical understanding of the gospel, it's impossible, I would say, just not to be filled with joy and conviction about it, and just to live your life in a whole different and, I would say, more meaningful way. Once you study the gospel, you realize how it applies to every single thing we do. The gospel affects how we see the world around us. It affects how we treat other people. And overall, I can't say this enough, it affects how we live our lives. And today we are going to strictly focus on the basics, but as time continues to pass, we are really going to dive deep into how the gospel affects every single part of our everyday lives. And so there are good things coming your way, and I cannot wait to delve deeper into that with you guys. But for now, like I said, we are going to start with the basics. And so this episode is just going to be a rundown of the gospel, and it's just going to be a reminder of the basics. But guys, the basics are so easy to get wrong. Um, I would say that is very, very common in modern American Christianity. People propound a false gospel, one that is not biblical. It does not adhere to the truth in the word of God. And so that is why it's paramount that we use the Bible as a reference for the gospel. And that is what we're going to do today. So we all know the story of creation. In the beginning, God created. He created all living things that roamed the earth. He created man and women. And in the Bible, it says it was good. 
Guys, there was no fault in God's creation. It was perfect. But we all know that we fell. Satan deceived Eve and sin entered into this world. And as a result of sin entering into the world, men entered into a rebellion against God. Because God is holy. He is perfect. There is no part of God that is sinful. Actually, sin is the complete opposite of who God is. It is the antithesis of his nature. And so sinful man, the fall of man in the introduction of man to a sin nature led to a separation of a righteous and a loving God and that sinful man. And y'all, you can see it in the world around us today. There is no doubt that a fall happened. Um, There is so much evil. There is so much evil. And that is a reality that we're never going to escape. And you see, in Nahum 1, 2, it says, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Y'all, He's jealous and He is avenging because He is perfect. He ought to be jealous and avenging. And so, like I said before, He is altogether holy and he is altogether righteous, and so he is wrathful. Wrath is a product of his righteousness. If God is wrathful against sinners, that means that he is wrathful against us. And here's just a little newsflash for you. We are all sinners. That means you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. Even though you might be tempted to say that you're a good person because you try to follow the Ten Commandments and live a holy and righteous life, guys, the truth is that from the very beginning, you were born a sinner. And this is so prevalent throughout the gospel. It's, it's pretty much everywhere. First of all, Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. All of your heart. Guys, It's a that means we can't give any of our affections to anybody else, to anything else. And then in Mark 10, 18, Jesus says to the rich young ruler, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Good in God's book is moral perfection. The only person who is capable of moral perfection is God himself. Matthew 5, 48 reinforces that point. It says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And then James 2, 10 goes on to prove this point even further. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point has become guilty of all of it. Y'all, we are not good. We have not kept the whole law, so we are not good. And we can never be good. That goal of be good is impossible for humanity. You see, we will never be able to attain that status, the status of goodness. That is impossible for us. 
And it's so easy to say, I've, you know, been there. I've done that. I've checked off that box. I'm a good person. I don't deserve the wrath of God. I don't deserve eternal punishment. Guys, that is a false. Have you ever been envious um, about somebody else? Have you ever harbored anger in your heart or lied or cheated on an exam or been disobedient to your parents? Y'all, that is sinful. You are not good. So then if God is holy and can have absolutely nothing to do with sin, if he is righteous, how could we, the sinners, ever be reconciled to that God? Again, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So how can we come into a right relation with the Lord? Justice demands that we be punished. But that is the part of the gospel that's just going to, it just blows my mind. Because God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so to bring about the salvation of man, to extend mercy to the sinner, God does something unbelievable. He does something earth shattering. In his righteousness, on one hand, he condemns our evil. And then on the other hand, in his love, in his mercy, God becomes man in the person of Jesus Christ. And Romans 5, 8 has to probably be my favorite verse of all time because it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still imperfect, Christ died for us. Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live or will ever lived. We could never live that life. And then he goes to the cross. And a lot of the times the cross is just painted as like death on a cross. And the suffering that comes with execution on a cross. And that is painful and that is horrendous. And historians like to go through all of the details that made that just like excruciating. But we forget that Jesus endured the wrath of God at the very same time. That is a key tenet of the gospel. While on the cross, our sins were laid upon him. The punishment of a just and righteous God that we deserved was poured out on him. And he suffered it in its fullness. What a good God. And then we can rejoice because right before he died, he cried out, It is finished. It is paid in full. Jesus' death on the cross was what is called substitutionary penal atonement, meaning he paid the price for our sins. He was a ransom. 
And so his blood up on that cross washed us white as snow. We once owed a debt to God because of our sin. That debt was suffering eternal punishment in hell. But then on the cross, God himself took our place. He bore our sin and suffered the wrath that we deserved. And y'all, he extinguished it forever. All of the sins that we have committed in the past, all of the sins that we will commit in the future, for all people, for all time, he extinguished it forever. And then we can rejoice and we have hope because Jesus defeated death. And on the third day, he conquered sin and death. He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And then the Bible teaches us in John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, he's the truth in the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. John 3.16, though you might have heard it before, wraps this all up in a beautiful little package. It says, for God to love the world that he gave his only son. He gave him up because he loves us so much that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He endured that for us when we did not deserve it. And so this is the promise of God to the greatest sinners. When you believe and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, when you abandon all hope in your good works and trust in the person and work of Christ on your behalf, you get to spend eternity in heaven with the loving Father who sacrificed himself for you. How amazing is that thought? First of all, I just cannot wait to go to heaven just to soak in the glory of God and praise him forevermore. And so when we reflect on the gospel, we realize that the Christian, the true Christian, is the only person who can say that they are going to heaven without being self-righteous. And why is that? In other religions, you get to heaven by being good or by earning it. Even in false Christianity, you can quote-unquote get to heaven by being good, by your good works. But in true biblical Christianity, you are not reconciled to God by your own virtue or merit. But you're reconciled to God through the virtue and merit of His Son. If you don't believe me, read Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. And it says, This is not your own doing. It, says, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. To go along with this point, um, pastor and theologian Paul Washer once said, if I died right now, I'd have great assurance of being reconciled by God. Why? He goes, because 2,000 years ago, the Son of God died in the place of the sinner and paid my debt. I do not trust in myself, he goes on, 
or my good works or my church or my religious duties. He says, it is Christ alone. Christ alone sets us free. Not our own actions. But then you go, Carissa, I've sinned so much. Can his blood really wash me white as snow? And dear friend, I have to say to you, yes. His death is sufficient. Romans 8, 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He said it is finished. And it is finished. And so we see that it is so easy to fall into one of two traps, either of pride or of despair. One being, I can work myself to heaven. I can do good things, and that will help me enter the gates of heaven. That's not possible. The second one is despair. I know what I've done, and I can't be good enough. I realize that. So how must I do it? There is no other option for me to suffer eternal damnation. Y'all, that is why the gospel is so important. That's why we need Jesus. That's why his life, death, and resurrection are so paramount to our lives as Christians. We are so undeserving of anything after this life. But he came down and said, you don't need to be good enough. Why? Because I'm good for you. And so, dear friend, if you repent and trust alone in Jesus Christ as your Savior and in his atoning work on the cross, God will remit your sins, he will dismiss your case, and grant you everlasting life as a gift, not because you are good, but because he is abundantly rich in mercy. And then just to like amplify this even further, I have a little story. And it's about the Greek word which means gospel. That word is euangelion. That is taken from the good news that a runner would bring as a messenger coming to announce the victory that had been achieved on the battlefield. So this messenger is running to deliver the good news of a victory that had been achieved in war. And so the people in the town listened to this story, and as a result, they would cheer. They would become so joyful, and the gladness would transform the lives of everybody in the city to know that they had won the battle. But guys, they were not the ones out fighting in the trenches. In the same way, Jesus puts forth, I have accomplished salvation. Y'all, that is the gospel. That is the good news. When we believe that, then our souls are transformed and works will come out of us. So once we have saving faith in the work of Jesus Christ, our souls are transformed by the wonder of his mercy and his glory. This is called sanctification. And this changes every single part of our lives. And this is why the gospel affects our lives so greatly.
And so, I want to encourage you to lay down your life. Follow after Jesus. Have faith in His work on the cross. Have faith that His death has ransomed you from the punishment that you deserved. And then, live your life with gratitude to the one who sent His Son to save you. And I encourage you to reflect on this. Continue to think about the gospel and how you can apply it to your lives. And we will talk more about that in the coming weeks. For now, thank you so much for tuning in to It Is Well on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. If you want to learn more, come back throughout the next coming weeks. And if you want to listen online, you can find us at RadioFreeHillsdale.com. Thank you.